If you would take your Bible and turn to Second Chronicles chapter 15. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verse 1 says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear you me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. When they were in trouble, but they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be, therefore, be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And they gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord at the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and with shouting, with the trumpets, and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maka, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war under the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. <clears throat> Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. Father, we thank you for our nation and the liberties that we enjoy in this nation. Father, I pray that you help us to understand the principles upon which this nation was founded and has stood these many years. And Father, I pray that you help us as your people to stand for these very principles that are taught to us in the word of God. So just have your will in your way, and you may you be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible has a lot to say about the blessings upon a nation. 
Psalm 33.12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Again, the idea there is not that God makes himself God of that nation, but they choose God as their God. They have chosen him as their God. And they, in turn, become his inheritance. Of all the nations which have ever been established, conceived or made, is the USA is without a doubt the greatest nation ever to grace the face of the earth. Think of it. As a superpower, we have the ability to change leadership without firing a shot. How many nations in the world can do that? Or, we have choices. Now, they may tell you in their propaganda that there are choices when Russia has an election, but there really aren't any choices. Or when China has an election, or when North Korea, you know, well, they don't even have elections. Um, you know, a lot of these countries claim they have choices, but they really don't. And in a lot of places where there are elections, there's usually bloodshed. There's usually bloodshed. And, but we as a superpower, we are one of the, probably the most powerful nation in the world, we can change leadership and not fire a shot. Or have people put to death, as we call it. That may change, not too long, just the future of things extending the way they are. But as of now, and that's the way it's been for 242 years. The ways in which we conduct business and enjoy freedom are the envy of millions of people around the world. I don't know why, if our country's so bad, why do people want to come here? Our nation was founded upon biblical principles. Where do we get the ideas that our founders, who were thinking men, where do we get the ideas that they developed or founded this nation upon? Uh, of course, many of our founders were very religious men, um, many of them were Christians, uh, and in fact, uh, somebody said this, founders of America were overwhelmingly Christian. Now, the 55 colonial delegates to the Constitutional Convention in 18, or 1787 52, or 94.5%, were members of Christian churches. Only three of them considered themselves deists. When you study the 17,000 written works of the framers of the Constitution, 34% of their quotations came from the Bible. Think about it. 34% of their quotations come from the Bible. 17,000 written works. Two most quoted non-biblical writers were European legal writers with clear biblical views of law and government. George Washington, the father of our country, said, quote, is it impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible, unquote. While revisionists would say that Washington was not a Christian, the truth is that he was converted and baptized by immersion by a Baptist preacher, Chaplain John Gonneau, in the Potomac River during the Revolutionary War. He was a pastor from New York who joined Washington's Continental Army, a Baptist preacher. 
Patrick Henry said, quote, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. James Madison said, quote, We have staked the future of all our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God, unquote. The preamble of the Constitution states that each person is endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, as you walk up in the steps of the Supreme Court, you can see a row of statutes, various lawgivers, each one turned to face the one in the middle, which is Moses holding the Ten Commandments. As you enter the Supreme Court, the oak doors had the Ten Commandments engraved on the lower portion of each door. The wall above where the justices sit has a display of the Ten Commandments. You know, I have to wonder how, how uh, Sonia Sotomayor and some of the other ones think about that when they're sitting under that during the court sessions. Um, anyway, these, there are Bible verses etched in stone all over federal buildings and Washington, monuments in Washington, D.C. Every session of Congress begins with prayer by a paid chaplain whose salary has been paid by taxpayers since 1777. And you know who started that? Ben Franklin. When the Continental Congress was wrangling for weeks, five or six weeks, trying to come up with the Constitution, and arguing back and forth, and one of the greatest debates was, you know, we aren't going to have fair representation representation in, in our federal government because some states are small and some states are large. So if we go by population, the ones with the most population, which is what California wants to do today in New York, if we go by population, they'll have the most delegates and they'll control everything. And so they're wrangling us back and forth. And, they, and finally, Franklin stands up and says, men, basically, I'm going to summarize, during the war, we implored the God of heaven we have not done that. And I say before we start another day's debate or arguing, we have a preacher from this city come in here and offer prayers every day. And James Madison made the motion and Roger Sherman from Connecticut seconded it and it was so. And ever since that day, that has been done. Uh, the first Supreme Court Justice, John Jay, said, quote, Americans, think of this, this statement in today's world, Americans should select and prefer Christians as their rulers. I remember not too long ago when they were uh, <clears throat> Mike Pompeo was being uh, confirmed for Secretary of State, somebody asked him about his Christian beliefs and said, basically said a Christian shouldn't be in office. Um, on the cornerstone of the Washington Monument is Bible. The walls of the Capitol Dome have these words, the New Testament according to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Declaration of Independence, which we celebrate this, this week, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, were founded on a biblical worldview. 
the Declaration of Independence correctly states that our liberties come from the laws of nature and nature's God, and so on and so forth. And I could go on and on and on. But, but we see that our nation was founded on biblical principles. Uh, biblical principles. The principles of liberty and justice for all. Where did they get that idea? Well, in 1644, Roger Williams wrote a book called The Bloody Tenet of Persecution. Now, here's kind of a summary of the topics of the book. Um, There's uh, 12 things here that are stated in this book. Uh, I'm going to just read a couple of them. Fifthly, all civil states with their officers of justice in the respective constitutions and administrations are proved essentially civil and therefore not judges, governors, or defenders of the spiritual or Christian state and worship. In words, civil authorities aren't supposed to rule over the churches. That's what he's saying. Sixthly, it is will and command of God that since the coming of his son, the Lord Jesus, a permission of the most paganish, Jewish, Turkish, or anti-Christian consciences and worships be granted to all men in all nations and countries. And they are only to be fought against with that sword which is only in soul matters, able to conquer, to wit the sword of God's spirit, the word of God. So what he's saying here, he says, all men, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Turk, which would mean... Muslim, you should be allowed to practice your religion or live according to your conscience and the only sword that should be used against you is this. This. Of course, unless you start killing other people. And that's when civil government steps in. That's the job of civil government. But everybody should be free to live to worship according to the dictates of their own conscience. Eight, and I'm just reading some of these. God requires not a uniformity of religion to be enacted and enforced in a civil state, which enforced uniformity sooner or later is a great occasion of civil war, ravishing of conscience, persecution of Christ Jesus and his servants, and of the hypocrisy and destruction of millions of souls, a state church is a travesty. It destroys the souls of men. You cannot force religion on people. Eleven, he says, the permission of other consciences and worships than than a state professeth only can, according to God, procure a firm and lasting peace. Good assurance being taken, according to the wisdom of the civil state, for uniformity of civil obedience from all sorts. And lastly, true civil civility and Christianity may both flourish in a state or kingdom, notwithstanding the permission of divers and contrary consciences, either Jew or Gentile. And so what he's saying is, different religions can live together in the same state and get along and worship as they see fit. You see, that was part of, that was put into our Bill of Rights. Now, 
I'm going to make a statement here. <clears throat> you know, there for a while we had, and this is, this, I'm dating myself here because some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. We used to have what they call more majority. So whoever probably remembers it. Uh, but um, Jerry Falwell was, you know, running around and, and had this political movement going, and and there was talk of a Baptist uh, president, and you know, and, and which there wouldn't any, be anything wrong with, um, as long as he didn't try to force a certain religion. But but they were gonna, they basically, and and you know, Jerry Falwell was of course supposed to be a pastor, and he was involved in politics and. And all that, and nothing wrong with that, but it, there was a lot of uh, coercion going on. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and I thought of this, and I thought this, and don't misunderstand my statement here. We don't want a candidate that supports us, but one that simply gives us the liberty the Constitution grants us. In other words, we don't want a, a candidate that favors us over anyone else, or grants us special favors more than anyone else. We just want a candidate that gives liberty to all. That's what, that's what, that's what our Baptist, that's what, that's what uh, uh, Roger Williams was saying. We, we need to have a, and, and we want a government, and that's what our First Amendment is, states. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance. So Congress is to make no law uh, respecting or regarding a religion, period. And that's the principle upon which our Constitution or our Bill of Rights was based. Now, it can be a great price. You know, a lot of people have this idea that everyone that came to America came for religious freedom and practiced religious freedom. <laughs> that's not true. There was not much religious freedom in America until after the war for independence. In New England, it was the Anglican Church, or Church of England. And they had state churches. Puritans had state churches. They persecuted. They fined. They imprisoned. They beat Obadiah Holmes in Boston Square almost to death because he would not submit to the state church. To submit to infant baptism why Roger, Roger Williams was banished from, New, from uh, Massachusetts and John Clark of course started Rhode Island uh, where freedom, the first place where freedom of religion was granted in the world in North Carolina the Presbyterians the Battle of Alamance, what was that? it was tried to force Baptists submit to the Presbyterians Governor Tryon And so these are the principles. 
But I want, do want you to notice this morning, in the time I have left, as we think about a nation that's blessed by God, I want to look at some principles here from, from 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Uh, first of all, the conditions for God's blessing. As we think about Asa and the children of Israel, uh, I want you to notice the conditions of God's blessing. First of all, and, and these are very simple and, and simple, easy to understand. First of all, the Lord is with you when you are with him. Notice verse 2. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. Now, that's not real hard to understand. Uh, if, if you, you know, it's not a matter of, is God on our side? The matter is, are we on God's side? God doesn't change. God hasn't changed. And so it's a matter of, are we on his side? Are we lining up our lives? Are we lining up our, 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 our principles of life with the word of God? Secondly, if you seek him, he'll be found of you. Verse 2 again says, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. So if you want the Lord, you have to seek Him. If you don't see the hand of God in your life, maybe it's because you haven't been seeking Him. Somebody said they heard when the first astronaut went into space, he said, I saw God nowhere. And then Alan Shepard went up and he said, I saw God everywhere. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, every creation has to have a creator. Every design has to have a designer. Every piece of art has an artist. And all order has an orderer. And so the things that we see that are made declare that there is a God. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. So, but you have to seek him. To seek him. Third, if you abandon him, <laughs> he'll allow you to choose you to go your own way. Notice, notice verse 2 again says, the end of that verse says, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, we know, you know the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So it may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man should do unto me. We're talking about a relationship with the Lord there and walking in fellowship with him. And if we're truly born again, you know, we will never be unborn of God. However, if we want God's blessing and favor, if we choose to go our own way, we aren't going to have it. He'll let us go.
God will not leave you, but he allows us to choose to follow or sadly forsake him. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, Israel went away from the Lord and God allowed them to go. God will allow you to go away from the Lord if you so desire. But there are consequences. There are consequences. Well, notice, secondly, the consequences without God's blessing. Uh, notice verses 3 and 4. Now, we notice three, th- three things here, and this is, to me, so applicable to our nation today. Verses 3 and 4 says, Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn on the Lord God of, their, of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. The land is filled with chaos. Trouble. The Bible tells us here there was no teaching priests and there was no law. So there was no one teaching right from wrong. Everyone was free to do that which is right in their own eyes. You know, Judges is a good record of doing what is right in your own eyes. And Judges is a book full of chaos trouble. Your Proverbs says in Proverbs 39, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, no, no giving of the law, no direction. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. In 1 Samuel 3, you know, this is the end of, and during the period of the judges, it says, and child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the Lord, word of the Lord was precious in those days, There was no open vision. In other words, there was really nobody teaching the law. It wasn't until Samuel and his family established schools and went from city to city and taught the law. See, during the days of Judges, Eli wasn't being done. And so the chaos. You look around America today. People are confused about fundamental foundational issues. There's chaos everywhere. Of course, this chaos leads to conflict. Secondly, it was a land filled with conflict. Verse 5 says, And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Now, so there was no, there was no peace. It was, it was a time of conflict. The, the, the time was filled with conflict. And when you forsake God, when you forsake uh, teaching of the scriptures of what is right and wrong, there will be conflict. Of course, we got conflict uh, from the house to the schoolhouse to the White House. <laughs> and when did it really start? 
I didn't believe. Of course, what greatly affected it was they took the Bible out of school. What did I do with it? An article here somewhere. Um, here it is. What happened when we take Bible, prayer and Bible reading from the schools? This course happened in 1962. This is from the Congressional Prayer Caucus Foundation, posted December 11, 2013. Um, says the article published in Examiner in September this year discusses the effects from that removing God from schools has had in America. The evidence is overwhelming. The solution is clear. God, the Bible, and prayer. Um, criminal arrests of teens is up 150%. Teen suicides in ages 15 to 19 uh, years, up 450%. Uh, illegal drug activity, up 6,000%. Uh, child abuse cases, 2,300%. Uh, divorce, up 350%. SAT scores fell 10%, even though the SAT questions have been revamped to be easier to answer. Violent crime has risen 350%. National morality figures have plummeted, and teen pregnancy escalated dramatically after prayer and the Bible were removed from schools. One of the most damning statistics is to follow sex education in the schools. As the school's involvement in sex education increased from grade level to grade level, promiscuity followed, and the increase of premarital sex increased. Without any firm foundation to discourage this experimentation, unplanned pregnancies exploded. When right and wrong become relative to the individual, a natural consequence is to self-approve immoral behavior. Um, it says it does not occur to these geniuses that their approach could be an error. As these psychobabblers push sexual education in high school, down the grades 12, 10, 9, they push your agenda into the middle school and even into the uh, uh, grade school. Uh, but anyway, you know, the they, they can't seem to figure out what is happening. Um, and I'm not going to read all this, but it says, Unfortunately, the results of removing the Bible and prayer are never addressed, and the colossal failure of the more liberal morality standards is not even in the conversation. All it is repeated is, we are a modern society, and those old-fashioned methods in the Bible are just not workable in our progressive era. Was it Albert Einstein who said, quote, Doing the same thing, expecting a different result, is a definition of insanity, unquote. And there's a statement here. It says, stupid is as stupid does. Uh, that's a public education system. Since we've kicked the Bible out of public life, that's what's happened to our society. There's no vision. The land is filled with conflict and corruption. Verse 6 again says, And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversities. You take God out, and there is corruption. That is, it has been devastating to our nation, as we just read. Uh, today we kill the unborn at an alarming rate, and animals get better and greater protection from the law. An unborn. You can abort your baby, but if you shoot a moose illegally in Maine, you're going to jail without question. 
and your gun and your truck be confiscated. If you shoot an eagle, you're going to jail. If you destroy an eagle's egg, you're going to jail. I'm not sure what happened to when does conception or when does life begin with the eagle there, but you know, it doesn't make any difference. It's an eagle, it's not a person. It said a man out west was imprisoned and fined for killing a grizzly bear as he was being mauled while he was walking his dog. And we view video violence in video games and TV, which gives them a faulty view of life and death. And then they wonder why our young people grow up and kill each other. Yeah, we have to register. Think of this. We have to register sex offenders. And to me, the more it's getting more serious. We have comedians who don't just tell jokes anymore. They say wicked and vile things about our president, about our leaders, and their children. How vile can they get? Slanderous things. You see, the cost from walking away from God is high. You see... I want to I make a point here. We are becoming, again, a state church-run country. Do you know that the, Mor- or the uh, Muslims can have clubs in, your, in the public schools? But if you as a Christian want to have one, you have to get permission and you have to get students to sponsor it and and then it'll depend on the school and then you know whether they will allow it or not and it will be censored you can be a Muslim and and and, and that's not a question whether you can be a Muslim in in Congress, but if you're running for office and you're Christian, well, that might be questioned, as Mike Pompeo was. Anyway, let's let's look at then thirdly, the channel of God's blessing. If we're to experience this, we have to, first of all, recognize our corruption. Notice verse 8. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the order of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. So he re- they recognized, you know, to, to, to return or to get God's blessing again, they had to recognize their corruption. They, he removed the idols not only did he remove the idols, he removed those who promoted the idols. If you notice in verse 16 it says, And also concerning Macca, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kindred. Now this is a starting point for us as individuals, for a nation. Uh, you know, it, of course, corruption exists in all of us, and we have to acknowledge our sinfulness. But admitting our corruption is the first step to a right relationship with God. 
Secondly, they responded with a covenant. If you notice in verse 12, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Uh, Somebody said a contract is based on law, while a covenant is based on love. A contract is about property, while covenant is about people. Marriage is a covenant. When people came to realize their condition, their condition was impacting their family and their futures, they responded to God in the form of a covenant. This covenant simply said, I will seek the Lord. And of course they said they would seek him with all their heart. but it also required a commitment. Required a commitment. Verse 13 says, Whosoever would not seek, the Lord their God of Israel should be put to death, whether small, great, whether man or woman. Now, we're not putting people to death that don't agree with us. That's not... Israel was a theocracy. Understand, it was a theocracy. We're not living in a theocracy today. But God's people, you know, the point I want to make here this morning, our nation was founded on these principles because of God's people put these principles forth. The problem is today, God's people are not promoting these principles. They're going along with the things of the world. And this principle, the basis of this principle is God has a no-tolerance policy. Say he does? Yeah, he does. He does. See, they instituted here a no-tolerance policy. If you weren't going to seek God, it was capital punishment. Now, we, of course, don't do that. But... When we're talking about the church, there is to be a no-tolerance policy. You see, that sounds terrible and judgmental. All right, let me give you a few verses. Okay, Jesus said, our lovely Lord Jesus said in John 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he said in verse 5, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Therefore, we would say that unless you're born again, you cannot be in his kingdom. That is a no-tolerance policy. There's no exceptions. Is it not? But see, the modern church wants to let everybody in. And tolerance to everyone. Yeah, there is to be tolerance out there, but not in here. Follow me? You can't be a member of God's church unless you're born again. That's a no-tolerance policy. But there are, there are some other exclusions also. God puts some conditions on that. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Yeah, but we like to say, oh, it's okay. You can get to God in your own way. No, you can't. No, you can't. Not according to the Bible, not according to God. 
You see, this, this no-tolerance policy is determined by His holiness. He has a holy standard. But the church in America has become a club, a source of entertainment and social fellowship. It's become about us and what we want and not about God and conforming to His will. It's about our success, not our duty before God. We have a creditor mentality. We, the world owes us and God owes us. And, you know, and Paul said, I'm debtor, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me as I'm ready to preach the gospel to you at Rome also. You see, it's our duty to take the gospel. It is our privilege. God has a no-tolerance policy for his churches. But the big churches in America, they're all about toleration. And we wonder why America's going to hell. Remember what I said Thursday night. The Lord was known by his judgments, by his holiness, not by his love. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That, so they, they responded with a covenant. Secondly, they rested. Then they rested in their connection. Verse 15 says, And Joel Judah rejoiced at the oath. They had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. He was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. God gives. See, it's God that gives rest. When there's a right relationship with God, he gives rest. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is a fruit of a right relationship with the Lord. It was God that gave the children of Israel rest in the land when they obeyed him. But that rest, by the way, that rest came through strength. Peace comes through strength in this wicked world. I want you to think about something. Go to chapter, go to verse 6. It says, a nation destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God didn't vex them with all adversities. See, the world had peace during Solomon's reign, because Solomon was strong. But when, when Solomon's kingdom was divided up, and the power was broken, guess what happened? There was chaos again. There was unrest again in the known world. So they had rest. They rested. And then third, uh, number five, they rejoiced in God's blessing, verses 14 and 15 says, and they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, with shoutings, with trumpets, with cornets, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath. They had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found to them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And, and what's interesting is in verse, there, you know, the, you know there, there was blessing of God, but, but what's interesting is the, the fruitfulness of this if you look at verse 9, it says, There fell unto him out of Israel in abundance when they saw the Lord his God was with him. You know, when God's people get right with God, when they execute the judgment of God in the church house, the Lord will become known to the lost. There's an interesting couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 9 and 10. It says this, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. 
For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the learn of the world will learn righteousness. When God's judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of the uprightness he will, will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Psalm 9, 16, 17 says, The Lord is known by the judgments of the executive. The wicked is snared in the works of his own hands. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. You know, the wicked have forgotten that they're going to be turned into hell because they don't see the judgment of God exercised in God's churches. Did you ever think about why the Baptists were always so hated? Because they exercise judgment in their churches. Not anybody could just join. If you came from a church where you were baptized as an infant, or you came from a church that wasn't Baptist, they required you to be baptized as well. They exercise judgment. There was a certain conduct that was expected. And just as Israel exercised judgment on those who didn't disobey, God's people today in God's churches need to exercise judgment. We call it church discipline. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, you deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of Christ. In other words, you put him out of the church. He was immoral. He wrote to 2 Thessalonians and said, if any man would not work, neither should he eat. And if he, if he will not work, again, have no fellowship with him, that he may be ashamed. And again, that was discipline. See, God doesn't have, God does have a no-tolerance policy. Yes, God loves the world. But God not allow a sinner who refuses to repent and put their faith in Christ. God will not allow that sinner to enter his kingdom. He will never enter heaven. God will allow that sinner to choose his own path and end up in hell. You see, we were a nation blessed of God that promoted these principles of liberty and justice for all because Baptist churches promoted that. The churches have compromised. No longer do even many Baptist churches promote or present a holy and righteous God. God still wants to bless America, but it will happen if God's people get right with God and Americans turn back to God.
you know, our nation, our nation was founded on Bible principles by people like us. We're the hope. We are the hope. Trump is not the hope. I appreciate what he's doing, but he's not the hope. Because when he leaves office, somebody else is going to get voted in. You know, the principles of the word, the word of God is our hope. And we need an open vision for America. We need the word of God declared and heeded and put forth so that people may know there is a holy and righteous God and they need to see it in us. That's the hope for America.